Good morning. I'm Carrie Miller. This is Big Books and Bold Ideas. It's the show and podcast where readers meet writers. But today we are live with our wizard of words, Anatoly Lieberman, on the words and phrases that have come down through the generations of your family. Your familect, as in family dialect. Maybe you heard a great grandmother who hailed from Norway say, There are owls in the moss, which means something was off. Or maybe ufta was common parlance in your household. I'd never heard it until I moved to Minnesota. My relatives lived in Pennsylvania Dutch country, so sometimes I'd hear this strange dialect of German mixed seamlessly into English in words that would have sounded pretty odd to people outside of the family. So today, as Anatoly joins us for the hour, I want to hear about those words and phrases that really needed no translation. Family members just knew what they meant. Share them with us. Tell us where they came from. It's the secret language that your family knows. Here's the phone number, 651-227-6000. You can call in at 800-242-2828. You can tweet in, like a lot of people have. It's at Carrie, K-E-R-R-I-M-P-R. Anatoly Lieberman is a professor of languages at the University of Minnesota. He is the author of many, many books, including Take My Word For It, A Dictionary of English Idioms, and he's with us in the studio. Anatoly, welcome back. It's good to talk to you again. I'm very pleased to be back. Thank you, Carrie. So you were born in Russia. Does that mean that Russian was your first language? Yes, indeed. So are there words and phrases that even within the Russian language that your family used that if you heard them today, they'd immediately transport you back to your childhood? I'm not quite sure. You see, uh, those who were much older than I was, my parents and my grandparents, of course, have been dead for, for many years, and I was not exposed to any Yiddish, and my Russian uh, was the Russian of St. Petersburg, uh, where there wasn't terribly much a local element uh, to remember. and But uh, what you said a minute ago is absolutely true. Most people, and I'm not a typical case, most people do have some, let us call them, bizarre expressions uh, which are local. They're known only within a very narrow circle or sometimes just the family, uh, sometimes two or three families. And most people who use such phrases do not realize that they're bizarre, rare, and not understood by the by the by the rest of the world. <laughs> uh, they're curious expressions, and I have seen and and read uh, many many of such. The usual illusion is that when people use some expression, they either think that everybody understands it, which is wrong, or they think that that, oh, it's something that everybody knows. And then it turns out that nobody outside that narrow <laughs> circle knows it. So these two extreme uh, mistakes uh, really meet somewhere in the middle, so to speak. And it's very curious to see uh, what we'll hear today. I'm sure that many of our listeners have such local phrases or even local words. Local words are also interesting. Uh, they constantly ask me about the origin of such phrases and words, and I always say, well, nobody in the world knows, but it's very interesting to find out what your grandmother said and how you understood it. And, of course, while working on idioms, I ran into, ran into so many 
idioms that were common a century ago and are now forgotten, or some historical idioms which were known in the literature of the 19th or 18th century, and today they are absolutely exotic. Nobody, nobody understands them. So there is really a lot to talk about. I know. Here's the interesting thing before we take some calls, Anatoly, that you just, you've alluded to, which is that if you're a child and you grow up in a family where they're using these words and phrases, and again, maybe they're a mashup of some kind of language from the ancestors and then just some kind of local dialect in a way, you never realize that until you get to be an adult, that everybody else doesn't really understand this phrase. It's, it's funny, isn't it? You're quite right. Uh, if, something, if you say something that you understand and your, and your friends and neighbors understand, you are surprised that nobody else understands it. <laughs> and uh, well, this is the same with accents. If you are used to, right. to a certain accent, it's so strange that other people use other accents. And, of course, everybody else's accent is bad and funny <laughs> and should be ridiculed. Uh, right. Today, we're, we're, we know that this is really wrong, but still, something you have learned is your own, and everybody else is indeed wrong. That's right. Here's Robert. This is interesting. He says, my mother's side of the family referred to green bell peppers as mangoes. No, I don't know what word they used for real mangoes. And Jason says, my grandma would say, if wishes were horses, beggars would ride. I'll come back to that, Anatoly, because that's a, I think that's a phrase that a lot of us have heard and never quite understood. But let me go to the phones to Susan in Rochester. Hi, Susan. Good to have your call. What's the word or phrase in your family? My mother, who was, uh, her father was Norwegian, and her um, mother was Swiss. She would say, when she was angry about something, she would say, wouldn't that frost you? <laughs> yeah, you know, I've heard that. Anatoly, have you heard that before? Yes, I've heard that. I, If you want me to explain it, uh, Do. You, you won't yeah. really find much uh, in my dictionary or anywhere where mm-hmm. I have it. But yes, I've heard it. It's not quite local. It's known, uh, the word... Uh, the word that I have just heard from Susan is rather common. Uh, it's not quite uh, local. It's not really limited to a very narrow circle. To the phones here to Kermit in New Ulm. Hi, Kermit. Good to have you on the phone. Yeah. When I was growing up, if you did something terribly wrong, my sisters used to go, ah, <laughs> What does that mean? Where... Do you have any idea where that came from? Nope, negative. No. <laughs> no, well, that's what I told you, Carrie, that most of these expressions and words that we'll probably hear today are so obscure. Uh, they, may be, they may be some products, some, uh, products of, of a family tradition or something, uh, and very few people would know where they came from. Mm. And um, to make clear why uh, I'm prevaricating rather than instead of saying, yes, well, that's the origin of it. (laughs) Uh, The origin of a phrase is always harder to explain than the origin of a word. 
because when you have a word, you have some system of explanation. For example, somebody knows uh, that the English uh, sit and German sitzen. So you begin to compare them. Uh, you you begin to ask what what the word is, what, how it, how it sounds in 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 other languages, and then you come. Uh, finally, you discover some root or something. You say, well, once upon a time, probably 5,000 years ago, there was a root, and from that root all these words sprang. But when you have an expression, you have to explain something uh, that is really beyond reconstruction. Somebody, say, somebody knows, or everybody knows, the expression to cut the mustard. Why the mustard? Uh, there has been a lot, <laughs> a, a lot of... Uh, attempts to explain it. What is there about the mustard and why do we cut the mustard? <laughs> Everybody understands no it. Everybody knows it. But why cut the mustard? And I have read everything that I could, which is not very much, incidentally. And what is the answer? Most disappointing. Nobody really knows why we cut the, <laughs> cut the mustard. So I'm afraid that, that I'm afraid that our session today will be full of fun <laughs> and very will be very short on explanation. Anatoly Lieberman is in studio. If you've just tuned into the show, I'm Carrie Miller, and we're talking about those words and phrases that come down in a family through the generations. I mean, there's a word for this. It's called familect. It's like family dialect. And this could be coded language that only your family knows, or maybe a couple families in a neighborhood, or ancestors knew. It could just be words that are like a mashup of colloquialisms and some other language. And we thought it would be great fun since, uh, you know, we're going to be gathering with our families here later this month to hear about your family dialect. Here's the phone number, 651-227-6000, to tell me about yours, 800-242-2828. And I'm on Twitter, at Carrie, K-E-R-R-I-M-P-R, to Betsy in Woodbury. Hi, Betsy. Thanks so much for calling. What's your word or phrase? My word is wassum, which is wassum. Okay. How, what is the you, word? Yeah, how do you spell wassum? that, Betsy? How do you spell it? Um, W-O-F-M. Watch out for mom. Which <laughs> okay. meant she had been reading a good book overnight, and she was very grumpy in the morning. And <laughs> Love could, it. We could say it between ourselves or in front of my mom, who wouldn't know what it was. And um, it was, watch out for mom. Awesome. What a great reason to be grumpy in the morning. Yes, like, indeed. Yeah, reading yeah. a book overnight. Anatoly, I want to ask you about uh, what Jason tweeted in, which was, if wishes were horses, beggars would ride. It's a very common that, expression. Yes. Okay. Can I ask if you have any idea where, where it came from? No, of course. I have no idea, as, I, as I warned you. Because uh, the only way to answer what what the idea is, is simply to find the source. And even if you find the source, you are not much wiser. For example, it turns out to be a familiar quotation. So there is that expression, familiar quotation. That is, uh, we suddenly find out that Chaucer was the first to use it, or Shakespeare. Uh, Shakespeare is full of what we now call familiar quotations. Uh, and you find, you find that the first... Per- person who used it, at least in our texts, uh, was Shakespeare or Dickens or someone. 
but how do you find out where Dickens found it or where Shakespeare found it? There is no method of finding out such such things. Uh, sometimes when you deal with conventional wisdom, uh, everything is uh, all right. Beggars can't be choosers. Mm, well, yes, mm-hmm. true enough. Uh, or someone drinks like a fish. Yeah, well, yes, fish incidentally don't drink, uh, but uh, but but that's <laughs> Little a usual. Note there. <laughs> yes, but that's a usual uh, misconception. Or you have the wrong end uh, of the stick. Uh, well, yes, yes, that's that's a rather rude uh, and very unappetizing expression, and it's known uh, w- known what it what it meant. But who coined it, and when was it coined? And that we really don't know. Sometimes if there is a rite or a ritual or a custom behind it, for example, take the cake, uh, yeah. it has been traced to its, to its source. We know exactly that there was a, a, there was a game and there was a certain system uh, people played and uh, the reward was taking the cake. So one could at least trace it to some ritual or rite or custom or celebration or anything. But when somebody cut the mustard, of course, there is no doubt about that. <laughs> Who cut the mustard? And why just the mustard? <laughs> Wait a minute, you're back to this again? <laughs> you will, yeah, because it has haunted me for years. <laughs> it uh, uh, yes, I have tried to find out, and I have read a lot of literature. A lot is really an exaggeration, but everything that I could find about it, and one of the explanations is, well, mustard is such a big thing, so when you cut the mustard, uh, you cut the mustard. That's, right. of course, Let- not an explanation at all. Let's stipulate, Anatolia, that we don't know where cut the mustard came from, okay? No. Can we go- Let's go back to the phones. We have full phone lines here. If you're trying to get in, uh, call us back, because I really want to hear these, these kind of coded phrases and words that came down through your family. I think they also say something about your family. I mean, they're somewhat revealing of identity, too. To Jamie in St. Paul. Hey, Jamie, thanks so much for waiting. What's your word or phrase? Um, My phrase is God's teeth um, as kind of a expletive (laughs) or, you know, in use of profanity. It's something that uh, my mom has said and has said that um, her mom and my uh, great-grandmother have all said and um, even catch myself (laughs) Do you yeah, say it? That's what that was my next question. Yeah. Do you catch yourself saying it? Really? I do every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's common, and uh, such, it's common. I've never heard. No, it no, no, no. I mean, the way it's common to use some profanity uh, ah. connected with with God, uh, with the word God, uh, which is sometimes pronounced God, uh, or something like that, uh, or some word substituting for God. Uh, the the expression i've never heard the expression but the the idea behind it is common and there are uh, many uh, many expressions like that god's this god's that and uh, uh, usually supposed to be profane or sacrilegious uh, but there are many many such some of them are of course individual coinages coinages uh, but Everything is an individual uh, coinage. My students are always amazed when I say every word, including come and go and sit and stand, must have been coined by someone, really, individual, 
Well, who <laughs> else? Who else coins words? <laughs> right. Of course. What is it? They is just it don't a, pop is out it, of nowhere, right? <laughs> is, what is it? A, a committee uh, we're, we're sitting and thinking now we all want to sit, but we don't know what to call it. Let's call it sit. So uh, that's why the answers are, the questions are funny and instructive and interesting, and the answers are terribly disappointing. Uh, I may say just one word about it, not interrupt the flow of questions. There is a dictionary of uh, dialectal or local words, and there are several, uh, British, Australian, Canadian, Canadian, American, and amazingly, uh, these words and phrases are listed, explained, without any attempt to explain the origin. Huh. Yeah. Just a list. Just a list. Of these words and phrases. Okay. Right. Deborah says, if my brother or I ate too much candy or neglected to wash our hands, well, we were at risk of feedy fiffle fists, a condition only known to my mother, apparently. Uh, Luke says, how about now you're cooking with gas? Yeah, not familial or even intergenerational, but its origin is culturally interesting. Uh, Anatoly, I want to mention that you you wrote recently on the Oxford Etymologist blog, he who carries a guinea in each pocket walks between two friends. You know, I know what a guinea is because I read a lot of Victorian novels, but I had never heard that Neither, neither have I, of course. This is all from books. Uh, and uh, this is even not from a book. Uh, since you have read that blog, you know where it came from. More than 100 years ago, one of the English periodicals had a kind of contest. Uh, send us exactly what you are now talking about. Uh, send us the, the funniest expressions or the most interesting expressions that you happen to know. And those who will, get, who will send us the best will have a whole guinea. At that time, uh, mm. uh, there, that was a lot of money. And they sent them, and I have that page. I don't find the page too exhilarating, but some of the expressions are very, very funny, and of course not known to the populace, known just to those who, who sent them, like the two guinea story that, that you have read. But it's a very good expression. It is. It, of course, because if you are rich and if you're if, if if your pockets are full of money, yes, you have a friend on the left and on the right. Uh, that's clear. Who coined it? Absolutely no idea. Uh, to the phones here, to Jim in St. Paul. Hi, Jim. Thanks so much for waiting. What's your word or phrase? Uh, good morning. Uh, my word is foozle. Never heard of it. What's it mean? Uh, it means lint on clothing, you know, little piece of uh, thread or something. And my mother would pick it off of us and just refer to it as a foozle. What um, part of the country was, do you think it comes from? Yeah. Well, I, my speculation is um, she was uh, or is 91 years old now, uh, Pennsylvania Dutch. Uh-huh. Yes, and that's what I wanted to say. Yes, that, uh, it, it occurred to me too. Uh, it's probably right. some some sort of German. Yes, that's possible. And of why, course, why, Anatoly? Why do you foozle? Why does that kind of give away? It's got a Pennsylvania Dutch origin. Uh, it does. To it, it doesn't. But it sounds German to me. Uh, ah. th- that's really all I can say because there is no such German word. Or if there is, I don't know it. Uh, but it does sound a bit a bit German. And of course, our problem in this country 
is especially complicated uh, because when you have a dictionary of British uh, uh, regionalisms or dialectal words or local words, uh, they may be from Scotland, from Ireland, and that's about it. But when you have uh, such a dictionary or such questions that we are now uh, hearing uh, from in the United States, they may be from German, they may be from Swedish, from Norwegian, from Danish, uh, from practically from Spanish, from practically any language in the world. Uh, Pennsylvania Dutch uh, was a rather rich source of expressions uh, which, uh, which are now current in, in English. They're local, of course, and not understood by everybody. But this fusel thing, first of all, it's a rather expression, uh, expressive word. You hear the word fusel and you think that it's really something bad, whatever it is. Uh, you won't call a dear friend Fuzil. Uh, so I thought that there would be something like that. Uh, but mm. the etymology, I don't know. But it's a very typical thing. It may be Pennsylvanian Dutch. Incidentally, Pennsylvania Dutch doesn't mean Dutch. It means German. Uh, Dutch here is Deutsch. Uh, so it's, it's just German. And that was a dialect. An old High German, High German means Southern German dialect, and very many words penetrated English uh, from uh, from that dialect. Let me move uh, Hetty in Burnsville uh, up. I think she also has a word from Pennsylvania Dutch. Hi, yeah, Hetty. Absolutely. Hi. Hi. <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely. Um, long heritage of Pennsylvania Dutch, um, and my word is nooks. Whenever anybody was a naughty, naughty, a little three-year-old getting into trouble or a little kid doing something naughty, they were always referred to as a nix-nook. And I still <laughs> use it on my grandkids. So <laughs> I love it. Yeah, That's nooks, yeah. a very so, good word. And it's an emphatic word uh, like TikTok and uh, fuzzy-wuzzy, like, well, like, <laughs> like all such words. Uh, it almost suggests its meaning. It's an ex- I know, and it's an expressive word, or as linguists say, it's it's a symbolic word. That is, you hear it, and even if you don't know it, you more or less guess what it means. <laughs> but it's an excellent word. So, Anatoly, if you look at it, you look at Fuzel, F O O Z L E, mm-hmm. and then you look at Nix Nooks, N I X N O O X. I mean. Those double O's will usually clue me in that it comes from Pennsylvania Dutch country or some kind of Germanic colloquialism. It, am I just is uh, not that not necessarily true? from Pennsylvania? No? Okay, not necessarily from Pennsylvania Dutch. These words are uh, very common. Uh, you take some some word and cha- some usually monosyllabic word, just one short syllable, and change the vowel. Uh, all those tick-tock, tick-tack, pick-pock, the language is full of such words. And uh, the usual thing that can be said about it is that the progression is always from a closed vowel to an open vowel. That is, it's always tick-tock, nick-knocks, and not the other way uh, around. Uh, Or the same vowel, like fuzzy-wuzzy. And this is a very common thing. It's certainly not restricted to Pennsylvania Dutch. This is a common English thing and even uh, a common Germanic thing. 
Uh, I know such words from Swedish and from German, but from English there is a whole thick dictionary of such uh, words which consist of two parts, with the second half being like a mirror image of the first, only with a different vowel. TikTok thing. Robin says on Twitter, most of the familect of my family was based on old wordplay, mostly from my dad, or malapropisms, mostly from mom, and would not make sense to anyone outside of our immediate family. And that's what we're talking about. Yes, of course. That's just very true. In, if you've just tuned in to the conversation, that's Anatoly Lieberman, as you know, professor of languages at the University of Minnesota and the author of many books, including Take My Word For It, A Dictionary of English Idioms. And we're talking about those words and phrases that, you know, really marinate in your family. You wouldn't hear them all that often outside of your family. Maybe they've come down through the generations. Maybe you heard a great-grandmother or a grandma say it. Maybe it's gotten changed a little bit as it's come down through your family would love to hear it. 651-227-6000-800-227-2828. And on Twitter, it's at Carrie NPR. I mean, Anatoly, I've talked to you about this before with phrases that kind of become hip or faddish. People start to use it, use those phrases because they want to be part of the in-group, right? Absolutely right. And not all that different probably for the family, because you're fostering the connection, the intimacy among family members. That's right. That's right. Nothing uh, fosters this connection better uh, than your, that's a special word, than your I dialect. That is your special dialect. Only your family understands it. And it's so very nice to have that secret language, which your parents understand and your cousins understand, but nobody else and especially children uh, are fond of it. And we, grown-ups, when we grow up, uh, of course, of course, uh, we pick up phrases, especially uh, those which are fashionable today, all kinds of fads, and begin to use them. And that's how buzzwords appear, cliches that everybody hates. And yet, uh, these cliches are easy to explain First of all, you catch them like germs because they're around everywhere. <laughs> uh, and then uh-huh. not only this, uh, it gives you a sense of belonging. Uh, for example, you've learned a certain phrase to make history. It's such a grandiloquent phrase. Somebody used it. It's a beautiful phrase. And then you open a newspaper and so-and-so made history, and so-and-so yeah. made history. Right, it's everywhere. Everybody yeah. made history. <laughs> and if everybody made history, it's no longer interesting. It's just a cliche. And then we're told, if you have something to say, please don't say to make history. Uh, <laughs> so right. it's, a, it's a path from, uh, from glory to absolute degradation. Very pretty quickly. Okay, here's a call from Todd in St. Paul. Hey, Todd, thanks so much for waiting. What's your what's your word or phrase? Well, there's actually two of them that my dad used, um, and it was trying to substitute for a little profanity. He would always say, "Gee, Christmas." <laughs> I've heard that. His, was probably his own coinage. Yeah, <laughs> really. The other one, but yeah, the other one was sick and tired. You weren't just tired, and you weren't just sick. You were sick and tired. <laughs> sick and tired. <laughs> to yeah. be to emphasize it. Yeah, to emphasize it. Yes, yes. Uh, probably his own coinage, and a rather successful one. Anatoly, I want to ask you about filling in 
uh, I guess, familect for swearing? Because a lot of parents do that, right? I mean, this has got to be the source of a lot of fun, made up words and phrases. What, what's, uh, as you've looked into this, what have you found? Well, when you, you, you are not allowed to swear, and then uh, everybody swears, and it's so hard not to swear. So it's good to use what is called euphemisms, some words uh, which are substitutes uh, for unpronounceable words. And then, then it's all right. Uh, you use this word, uh, you know what it means, but it's no longer offensive uh, because nobody understands it. That's a rather common thing, too, as you mentioned. I love this from Anna. She says, my phrase is some higgledy-piggledy happening. It makes me smile every time, but I have a feeling it's not a good thing. Uh, yeah, that sounds just like chaos, doesn't it? You're right, of course. Higgledy-piggledy is a very well-known word. Uh, and I think it's even in dictionaries. I'm not sure whether you find it in Webster's Dictionary or where you search for it online, but higgledy-piggledy is, is a very good word. And such rhyming pairs... Uh, like Humpty Dumpty and Hildy Piggledy, uh, very many of them, surprisingly, have exactly the same structure. That is, the first word begins with an H, and the second with something else, and huh. all, all hodgepodge, and so on. Hoi uh, polloi, yeah, yeah, ex Exactly, exactly. Uh, and it's not very clear why this order has been established, or adopted rather than established, but that is the usual order. You have those rhyming words, and the first word begins with, a, with an H, and then Humpty Dumpty, and you go all the way down, uh, down the road, and higgledy-piggledy. It's, of course, absolutely useless, uh, absolutely <laughs> meaningless. Uh, it doesn't mean a thing. And it's fun, though. It's fun, of course. And that's the same thing about all words. They don't mean anything until we agree that they mean something. And now we all know what higgledy-piggledy is. By the way, Anatoly, we haven't talked about the Oxford Word of the Year, and I can't let you go without talking about it. Do you know what it is? Uh, I think I've read it and forgot it, because every year uh, Webster chooses word. Uh, uh, was it not disillusioned or something? It is. No, it's a word. I, I just heard it for the first time, like three days before they issued the Word of the Year. It's riz, and Which? it means charisma. And uh, how do you spell it? R-I-Z-Z. -Z. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I, oh. Your students are probably using yes, it, Yes, yes, yes. I've heard it many times. You have? Yes. Oh. I've heard it from my students, and you are quite right. Oh, yes, yes. Yes. I'm surprised that this is the word of the year uh, by the Oxford Dictionary. Uh, their practice, it's not only theirs, it's the same thing with, with Webster's and and I think the same thing in, in, in Germany. They also have now the word of the year. Uh, it's not the most common word, not the most frequent word, but the most picturesque word, and the word which reflects the spirit, uh, the spirit of the time. Uh, and that's rather arbitrary. Uh, I've heard the word, yes, I've heard the word from, from my undergraduate students. Of course I didn't understand it, uh, <laughs> naturally. Uh, naturally, I always ask them now, what on earth does that mean? They always laugh. You don't know? No, I never heard it. Because, they, oh, of course, they all know it. And since they know it, everybody knows it, naturally. That's right. Well, that's, yeah, they've got student-lect. It's student dialect, right? So, so that the professor doesn't know. 
I can't imagine myself ever saying it, but uh, but apparently there's a lot of conversation out there about charisma and Riz. Hey, here's Vicky from Omaha, Nebraska, wrote in to say, instead of calling someone an idiot, my dad would say, what a nimrod. Uh, That's common. I've heard that before. Yes, that's where have I. Where's that come from? Uh, well, that's, of course, from uh, uh, from the Bible and from Nimrod oh. and from a biblical name. And that's another common thing. Uh, that is not a, f- a phrase that someone invented in a, in a just in one family. I've okay. heard that, too. Or rather, I'd say, I'll say I've seen it rather than heard it. Okay. Call here from Chris in Minneapolis. Hi, Chris. It's good to have you on the phone. Oh, good morning. Um I had a phrase that my folks from Ohio said, which was to, instead of saying a little smidge or smidgen, they would say a little titch. And I always, mm. no one here was saying it. I grew up here and I assumed it was something from Ohio. When I finally looked it up, it seems to have been a vaudevillian whose name, whose stage name was Little Titch. How and, um, interesting. <laughs> he wow. even played Minneapolis in 1889. <laughs> so I wow. just wondered, could... And, and there's even a, uh, a novel, um, the, the new novel by Zadie Smith is The Fraud, and apparently yeah. the subject of that is the Titchborn case. And huh. it was just this guy, he was four foot six, he had big floppy shoes that he would dance around on stage with, and, and just because of his body shape, they, the kids would nickname him after a figure in the Titchborn case, and that's how he got oh. the name. Yes, that's so correct. Uh, that's not unknown to me, uh, because the word occurs in the great American dictionary, um, DARE, Dictionary of American Regional English. And uh, the word has been recorded and uh, known in rather many places. Uh, so when, the moment you began to, to use it, I, I knew what it would be all about. Uh, not a very rare word, but of course not everybody knows it. But we didn't, but I also didn't know where that came from. How... How common is it, Anatoly, that... Well, that, for that, I'll have to uh, look it up in the dictionary because they sometimes have a map uh, showing uh, to what extent the word is known. Uh, I don't remember exactly uh, what the map is, but I think it's uh, it in more or less uh, in our area uh, that is not on the coasts. Uh, but mm. of course, oh, I cannot remember it without look, looking it up. Uh, when the Dictionary of American Regional English was being produced, which is one of the greatest treasures of our of our time, and a dictionary which is which reads like a novel, uh, many people went all over the United States asking people about words, and their reaction was the same as as yours and especially mine. Uh, you, of course, know many more American words than I do. Uh, they would encounter words they had never heard and not even understood. And some mm-hmm. of these words were quite, quite local, uh, known in a very small community. But within that community, the word would be known, and they all found uh, their, uh, a few lines in that dictionary. That dictionary reads like a novel, really, uh, mm. because you read this dictionary and say, is it English? Uh, and uh, the same impression is when you read uh, Joseph Wright's Dictionary of uh, of English, British dialects. You read these texts and you wonder, do these people speak English? Well, <laughs> yes. Yes, that only shows how limited 
uh, our so-called standard English is. Hey, Mike called from Minneapolis, and he wanted to know if you know the etymology of the phrase, the whole nine yards. This was a common <laughs> phrase in oh, my yes. family. Oh, you yes. You do? Yes. Where, is, uh, not, where does it come from? Uh, well, uh, I've read so much about it that I don't even remember what I read. Uh, but if you search for it, uh, you will find 20 or 30 explanations of those whole nine really? yards, uh, huh. wh- whether it is from the uh, from this. Uh, speech of the uh, of pilots or from others, and now that I have read so much of it, I don't remember what the most obvious explanation is. But the interesting thing is that there are variants. It's not always nine. It doesn't have to be nine, uh, and that's the greatest shock. We all try to explain why nine, and the part of the explanation which I remember offhand is that don't be fixated on nine. Uh, because the expression started somewhere else. But if you Google for this expression, Wikipedia has four or five pages uh, oh on it. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Uh, more than <laughs> on many more important things in our lives. <laughs> yeah, that was really a common phrase in my family. Okay, oh, everybody Judith, knows it, of course. To Judith in Sartell. Hi, Judith. Thanks so much for waiting. What's the word or phrase? Well, the word is what I heard you say is ufta, Yeah, it's pretty commonly heard around here. Um, but did you know there are gradations of da? Um, each becomes a stronger reaction. And I'll start with duda. I remember my grandma saying to her son, my Uncle Vic, who was a jokester, she'd say, duda, Victor, duda. <laughs> and then there's yada, neda. Naaman Duda, and then Ufta, which is like, oof, good grief. Yes. Right. And then the worst of all is Sida. Sida is when you step in dog poop. <laughs> so there's Da on the end, which which kind of changes the meaning of the phrase uh, and the emphasis of the phrase, depending yes. on what... That sounds Norwegian, Anatoly, Yes, well, that's what I wanted to say. Or Swedish? It's Swedish or Norwegian, probably Swedish. Uh, right. Uh, and uh, a lot has been asked about about such phrases, uh, um, both, Norwegian, both Norwegian and Swedish, and I asked many Norwegians about the origin of the phrase. They shrugged their shoulders here, saying that we really don't use it, but we know it. It seems that they know it from Norwegian-Americans. Uh, and uh, rather than from from their surroundings, and uh, this is of course a common phrase. Uh, the important thing about these phrases is that they're emphatic by their very uh, shape. Uh, that is, even if you don't understand what it means, you can guess more or less because they're pronounced uh, with an exclamation mark, uh, and that's a common thing. I just want wanted to add one thing, which I think I once mentioned mentioned to you. Uh, some people have local phrases, and they think that they're local, and then it turns out that many people know them. Mm-hmm. I, I have an right. example which I have in my book. That's the only example which I, which I remember along these lines. To make a long arm. Uh, that is when you sit somewhere far from the dish, and you want to reach uh, there, uh, and without asking someone to to give you a helping or to help you, you you uh, make a long arm. Everybody thought that it was 
a local family quip, uh, but it was not. It was known all, almost all over England and even oh. in the United States, though mainly on the East Coast. And the funny thing is that the Oxford English Dictionary has this expression going back, you won't believe it, to 1599. Oh, so, my God! So the expression exist, has existed for 400 years, or for, for more than 100, 400 years, and none of us practically has heard it. <laughs> wow. Okay, to the phones here to Mickey in St. Paul. Hi, Mickey. Good to have you wait. Uh, tell us what the word or phrase is. Yeah, it's actually my husband's uh, phrase. He says, um, we're in a cornfield. And what that means is that I don't want to talk about this subject. There's too many ears around. Um, mm, I don't want clever. other people to hear and uh, hear what our conversation is. Quite, a picturesque, sure comes, quite a picturesque phrase. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it comes from my mother-in-law. She coins phrases all the time. She is Cuban. I don't know if it came from her origin or if she just made it up. <laughs> it's really clever. As Anatoly says, I mean, you get an immediate visual, visual from that phrase. Yes. Uh, uh, you, uh, not all of them are picturesque because many of them are simply funny to hear. Uh, but when you cut the mustard or when you... Uh, uh, <laughs> We're or, back to that again? Yes, well, yes, of course, it haunts me, <laughs> naturally. Or when the phrase that we, we have heard, there is an <laughs> image behind it. Uh, right. We, it, it's like... Uh, 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 it, it's like, um, well, think of anything, like drink like a fish, something I mentioned mm, yeah. at, the, at the beginning. Yeah, visual. Uh, you have, yeah, yeah, visual. You know what it means, even if you don't quite understand what it is all about. But there are expressions which, uh, which don't produce any image, and you want to know where it came from. For example, there is an expression, God's acre, A-C-R-E. I've heard of that. Yeah. Yes, m m most of us have heard, heard about it. And it has a long, long history. It goes back to Germany and wow. to German and so on and so on. Uh, but when you have such an expression like God's acre, at least you have an idea of what it can mean. Uh, but in many such expressions, you don't. You just shrug your shoulders and say, now, what does that mean? <laughs> Here's Barb on Twitter. She says, during a, lunch, a school lunch, I said, oh, darn, I got the skark, meaning the end of a loaf of bread, for which I knew no other word at the time. Skark. That caused S-K-A-R-K. Yes, yeah, that's what I That skark. caused only confused looks. So I said, I guess that's not English. My father learned it from his Norwegian mom, it's in her dialect. I've Probably. never seen that word before. Have you? No, 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 no. Uh, no. Uh, uh, just as a wonder at the beginning of our meeting, uh, we'll hear the words which we don't know, we'll never hear again, uh, <laughs> and we, right. which are so local uh, that they will uh, languish in their obscurity. Uh, uh, Probably something from uh, from Norwegian. We, I can't remember the Norwegian word uh, that is behind it, but it sounds quite Scandinavian to me. I like that it's living on in Barb's family. Okay, to Aaron in Roseville. Hi, Aaron. Good to have you on the line. What's your word or phrase? Hello. Hello. Yes, uh, growing up, my mother or my grandparents, when they heard something they didn't believe, they would say, oh, piffle or piffle diddle. And I, I know that when we were Piffle Diddle, that is great. Time, 
<laughs> yes. It's great. Yes, a, a typical rhyming couple. Uh, uh, all those diddle-daddle and so on. Uh, they're all such, and they're all so expressive, uh, so, so symbolic of their meaning, that even if you don't know what it means, you guess, especially if there is a context, and usually there is a context. Uh, yeah, yes, yes, oh, funny. Uh, what exactly did you mean? Oh, yes, that's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to run an idiom by you, Anatoly. I was reading about the origin of sight for sore eyes. It, it's something that I, you know, I've heard out there in yes, the culture, yes, and my family it's, said it. It's a common expression. So uh, this is what, this is the back, the origin of it, apparently, is that it popped up in Gulliver's Travels, published in the 1700s. Does that, does that go along with what you know about it? Uh, I, I, I've never read anything about it, but I'm absolutely sure that Swift didn't coin it. Uh, really? No, okay. no, no, no. He, he might have done it because he did coin a lot of words, like Lilliputian, for example. Uh, that's his coin. And now our Yahoo, uh, which unfortunately we all know so very well, uh, <laughs> his coinage. But a sight for sore eyes with this alliteration, SS, sounds traditional. I think he must have heard it there. Perhaps I said, I was too rash when I said, no, I don't believe that he invented it. He, Of course, he might, may have invented it because he was a great wordsmith. Uh, but it looks, sounds traditional, so mm. to speak. Uh, that is a little bit good to be his own coinage. Mm. Okay, let me grab one last call here from Aaron in Winona. Hi, Aaron. It's good to have you on the line. Oh, thanks for having me. My, uh, both my wife's family and my family had weird phrases to communicate with us. And uh, my mother would say when we were rambunctious, settle dune or you shall dee, um, which we took to mean settle down or you will die. <laughs> uh, yes. And when my father-in-law wanted my wife to, uh, to lock her car door, he would say, punch your magic twangers, Froggy. And what? What yeah. I, What the heck? Where's the, what yeah. is that about? I, I don't know if it came from like a cartoon <laughs> that he saw, but she started to use that phrase with me when we got married, and I had no idea what she was talking about. I love that. Oh well, my God, very funny. So, very what, funny. Anatoly, do you ever any? Have you ever heard that before? Punch no, your magic no, 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 no. I warned you that we would hear a lot uh, of interesting <laughs> expressions about which I won't be able to say anything. Uh, and even if I had seen it somewhere, my answer would probably would have been the same. Yes, it occurs for the first time. Let us say in 1599, <laughs> uh, which is of course a very funny date uh, for our talk, uh, and. Nobody knows where it came from. In order to know where such a phrase came from, you, you really have to find the, an impossible thing. Here, you said it. Did you hear it from someone? You have to find yeah. the informer, informant who knows where the phrase came from. And in our case, my mother-in-law said it, my father-in-law said it, my wife said it, but they heard it from someone else. This right. is just hearsay. Exactly. And right. no origin. But it's Anatoly, great fun. Great fun. I, I am going to leave you this morning with Riz. I just think that is a very weird Oxford 
word of the year, but uh, you and I need to start using it because that's what the hip people yes. are doing. I have even saying, asked about right? it. I didn't quite understand what you asked me, but, but I was even asked about this word, uh, and now I understand why. Uh, and the etymology is, is absolutely clear, and I'm not a fan of uh, of uh, the greatest words chosen by the dictionary. Uh, yeah. They are born today and will die tomorrow. On that note, Anatoly, always a pleasure. Thanks. Good to have you today. Thank you very much. I hope we'll make history. To find that book list that we all put together, go to nprnews.org and check it out.